Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome into my home. Praise God. I'm glad you're here today. It shows that you chose to make God important to you today. And if you're listening to me on SoundCloud or another internet application, good morning or good day to you as well. And may God richly bless you for seeking him this beautiful day. If this is your first time listening to me, hi, I'm Pastor Ed Spagnoli, and you're listening to me from McKinney, Texas, and this is Gospel Saving Truth and our weekly broadcast of truth from God's Word. All right. Well, we always start with a prayer to ask God to help us understand His Word, for the Bible says it's only God's Holy Spirit that helps us understand His Word. So if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, please, and we can ask the Lord to help us understand and make application of His Word to our lives. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you so much. And uh, I do, just like I just said, Lord, I, don't, I just want to start off that way. Lord, help us, I pray today, to understand what you have to say to us today, Lord. Help us to understand. Help us to, and not only to understand, Lord, but help us to make application to our lives today, Lord God. Whatever it is that we need to do or whatever it is that you say, Lord, may we believe it. May we accept it. May we receive it. And then, Lord, may we make application of that truth to our lives today. Help us again, Lord, to understand by your Holy Spirit, for it is only your Holy Spirit that helps us understand anything about your word. We love you. We praise you. We ask, Lord God, that you keep all distractions, all worldly and earthly distractions out of our lives right now, Lord God, for this remainder of this sermon, Lord, as we know that the devil hates it, Lord, when we're listening to you or when we're getting your instructions and we're receiving your directions, Lord God. And so we just ask that you keep him out of our minds and out of our lives right now, Lord God, and Help us, Lord, this time, this this hour or so to be dedicated in our minds and our hearts unto you, listening to you and what you have to say to us, Lord. May we give you our full attention today. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you and we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. All right, so you could turn with me now to 1 John chapter 5. That's where we're going to be today. You can turn there now or you could turn there later when I'm getting ready to read it, but I will not read it or teach it until after my thoughts from last week's message, the Trinity. So last week I taught you all about the Trinity, a word that's not officially in God's word, but that someone created to describe the God of the Bible. One God, but three separate and distinct persons, but still just one God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I gave you scriptural proof of this with the scriptures being right from God's mouth, literally, and and his own testimony of himself. Many people have a problem accepting this aspect of God because they cannot understand it. And I understand that. There's a lot of things I don't understand in this life. And you know what? Some things I just have to take by faith and accept. And But, you know, God being one in three and three in one, that is one of those things that I have a problem. I have a trouble in my human mind understanding. So just my last thoughts on the Trinity, just an aspect to maybe help us to accept or understand or just accept the not understanding. And, and you could say not understanding God in his triune character. Just this example. And, and I'm speaking to really, I'm speaking to all the men out there, and I'm not really sure if it goes on the woman's side or not, but I'm speaking to all the married men or men out there specifically today. I am a male of about 41 years old. And I've been around for a little bit, you could say. I'm not as old as some, but I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not as young as some either, right? And not only am I 41 years old, but I've been happily married for 21 years of my 41 years of life, 
which if you're doing the math is a little bit over half of my life. And yet, although I've been married for over two decades and a little over half my life, I don't really understand women as a whole, and I especially don't understand my beautiful wife. I still love her. God, you know, commands me to love her, and I married her because I love her, but I love her, but I don't understand her or just general in all, all women altogether. What am I driving at? Well, it's, it's okay to understand God in the Trinity. Like, I don't understand my wife, even though I love her, I, under, I don't understand her, and I don't understand God in the Trinity, but it's important that although, even though we don't understand God in the Trinity, we accept Him as who He says He is in Scripture. God is one, but three, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And not only do we accept and trust Him as who He is, but it's important that we choose to love Him and worship Him as He says we are to do in His Word. And we have to really accept that the fact that not understanding everything about God is okay. And if you don't understand God in the Trinity, and let's say you're listening to me today and you're a Christian, and you say, well, I've been saved, Lord, for, or Ed, for, you know, X amount of years, but yet I still don't understand God in the Trinity. I don't necessarily like that. And if you're saved, and I'll say if you stay the course and finish the race of faith until you die abiding in Christ, it's okay to understand this aspect of God in the Trinity because you're going to have all eternity to absolutely understand every single aspect of God in His fullness. You'll have all of forever to go, well, God, could you explain to me how you were one but three and three? I don't know. I don't, I didn't get it in my human mind. And he'll lay it out for you. I don't know how long it'll take him to do it. It's, he might do it in a moment's time. He might take a, you know, a thousand years to do it. I don't know. But you'll have all eternity to understand every last aspect of God in his fullness. And think of your lack of understanding God in the Trinity like this. He is God Almighty the creator of the entire universe, the Alpha and the Omega. It's what he calls himself in the Word. Having no beginning and no end. If you can understand that aspect, let me know, because my brain can't think of what was before us in all creation. I've tried, and my brain goes, tilt, I, I don't, what, we, kind of kind of fries out, kind of like a computer gets by lightning, right? I can't, no beginning, what, what God, how is there no beginning? So if you can understand that one, let me know. So, and think about this, not understanding every aspect of God. If you were able to understand every single thing about God Almighty in the fullness now in your human mind, would he really be that almighty of a God? I don't think so. Absolutely not. He'd be maybe a God that we can understand, like the God of the Hindus, where they can understand. They're just, you know, the cow or whatever. They, and they fully understand all the gods that they serve because they're just simple gods. But not God almighty. He is beyond comprehension. He's incomprehensible in Scripture. And God in the Trinity is no different. I know it. I love him. No matter what, who he says he is, I love him. He saved me. And I pray and hope that you will do the same and not let the Trinity, not let his triune Godhead mesh up too much and cause you to go off base. Well, praise God. Let's switch gears and let's get into our new sermon for today. Title of the message is, 
He who does not believe God makes him a liar. Kind of a harsh title today, but he who does not believe God makes him a liar. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 5, verses 8 through 13. You guys can join with me now and read them along with me, or you can just listen along as I read. 1 John 5, verse 8, starting in verse 8. John says this, And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar. There's kind of where our title came from. Because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So God speaks of himself in verse 7 as a one in three and three in one triune God, right? Look at verse 8. What does John say in verse 8? He says, these three bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. So not only does the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, testify that Jesus Christ came in the flesh and blood from heaven, born as a human being, being God's literal seed son. He's not just the child of God like we are, born of the Spirit. Jesus Christ was God's literal son, born of his seed on this earth. And now John says here that the that the Spirit, the water, and the blood agree all as one that that happened. So God's Spirit, the birth of Christ, and his flesh body all agree in witness and truth of how Jesus Christ came. Of course, we know that Jesus Christ actually walked around in the flesh, which meant he was born, and the Spirit of God confirmed who he was through signs and miracles. We know that through Scripture. As he lived out his life until he was crucified, and these three different concrete proofs about Jesus Christ then, as people witness them, agree all as one. Okay, Do we see the picture of the, tri- of the triune nature of God here in verse 7 as we saw it in verse 8? As the spirit, water, and blood agree. We do not see the triune nature of God here, but why? The spirit of God, the water, and the blood agreeing as one. And then in verse 7, we speaking of God in the Trinity, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit bearing witness from heaven. That that's the agreeance. But then these three being one. That's what the scripture says in verse 7, that these three are one. Agreeing as one and being one are completely two different ideas. The spirit, blood, and water agreeing as one just means that they are unified in their message about Jesus Christ. No different than if you go to a church and you're listening to me right now and you're talking with another brother and you're like, oh man, praise the Lord. And he goes, oh man, praise the Lord. You two agreed as one. 
Were you two that you, you just agreed on that one? Are you, are you one? No. You're two separate people that live two separate bodies and you have your own lives. But you sure agreed as one, like you're, you know, you're in your mind, you agreed on that one topic. Well, this is here. The spirit, the blood, and the water all agreed as one, but they're the three different things. And we have the being one of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit literally being one. They agree as one, but then they're also three, but one, being one being, unlike two people being one being. So don't get that detail mixed up in scriptures. They can be hard to understand sometimes, but we have to read them over carefully. Uh, Now, so, so far we have... uh, so far, we've seen God in the Trinity and the triune or the Trinitarian Godhead, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, testifying of who Jesus Christ is and how he came to earth. And we have God's Spirit along with the water and the blood, so the literal birth and body of Jesus Christ that walked on earth, also confirming and agreeing that Jesus Christ actually came to earth in the flesh. And I would have to say that that's pretty darn good powerful testimony. We have God and the Holy Spirit and Christ's body coming to earth and the Spirit confirming Jesus Christ on this earth and they're all agreeing as one. That's some pretty powerful testimony. But look what John says in verse 9. He says this, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. So you see, no matter what witness of something we receive or accept that mankind testifies to us of, even of God, let's say somebody comes to you and say, hey man, I have a testimony for you, I have this witness for you, if it comes from men. John's saying here, God's witness or testimony of anything is greater than theirs, no matter what. God's testimony is always going to be greater than mankind's. Why? Well, think about it. God has never lied to anyone, not even just one time, not even accidentally, has God ever even lied, period, the end. But people, well, people, they lie like the devil, right? They lie, they lie, they lie. A famous quote by Ben Franklin, and you'll know this one, believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. I'm not exactly sure why he wrote that statement or why he came up with that quote, but I'm guessing and I'm betting on the fact that Ben Franklin knew that people lied and no matter what you know people were doing or what they were saying, he's kind of figuring, hey, they're probably lying. And you may know how people are and hopefully you're not that way because God says all liars have their part in the lake which burns with fire. So I hope you're not a liar. But, hey, that rhymed. Anyway, anyway, so we know that people lie, but God tells the truth always. So no matter what, God's testimony is always going to be greater than ours. So since the testimony we're speaking of here comes from God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's Spirit, the blood, and the water agreeing all is one, then this is a testimony, a godly testimony, that we can also, that we can trust, right? It's not a testimony from man, it's a testimony from God. But which testimony from God does John say that we should accept? Look at the rest of verse 9. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. All Scripture together, not man's idea, God's testimony that we should accept and receive. Jesus Christ is God's Son, come to earth by birth in the flesh and blood in human form. And if you don't believe that, I really hope that you do because God Almighty is the one that gave it, not me. 
And, I, and if you are confused about it or you don't believe it, I pray that you ask God and then let him answer you. Let him show you that Jesus Christ is his literal son. Because it's really not a good idea to disbelieve God's testimony about who Jesus Christ is. You'll see how bad in our next verse. So God's testimony of Christ is that he is his son. Come by birth in the flesh and look at the first part of verse 10. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. This would be God's witness of who he says Jesus is in themselves. So the person who believes that Jesus Christ is God's Son, and that word belief there isn't just a word like, oh, I just have this mental belief like I do of the sun and the moon and the stars, and oh, I believe you're sitting there, oh, that's nice, or oh, I believe that I have this type of a car. That, that is not the belief that John's talking about here. John's talking about the belief of, and many times when the Bible uses the word belief, or if you believe, that word means multiple things in Scripture. The word belief doesn't just mean a head belief always. It means you're putting your trust in. You're putting your hope in. You're putting your, your faith totally in. This is the kind of belief that John is talking about here. Uh, so he he who believes, he who puts his faith in the Son of God, he who puts his trust in God's Son, has the witness in himself. So the person who puts their faith and trust totally in Jesus Christ as God's Son has God's witness in them. Also, Jesus being God's Son would also not just include uh, you know, him being a man, right? We know that God's Son also had the the inclination of Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Remember, God's Son is also not just a man. Isaiah says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called. Listen to the name of the Son of God, the Son that was given, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, not a mighty God, mighty God, God Almighty, and everlasting Father is what Isaiah says, Prince of Peace. Uh, Jesus Christ not just being a son born, but God come in the flesh is what our whole message was about last week. And this is what we have to focus on here. Make sure we understand here is this is not just a, a man, Jesus Christ. It was God the Son born in the flesh. So God has revealed this testimony of who Jesus Christ is to humanity through his word and his Holy Spirit. And the person who accepts it and puts their faith in Christ, the Son of God and the God-man, has received and believed God's testimony of who Jesus Christ is and has, as John just says, this testimony in themselves. See, I believe that God has revealed his testimony of who Christ is to all peoples, just as he has revealed the Godhead or Trinity to all humanity also. And you may be saying, well, wait a minute, Pastor Ed. How can you say that? How can you say God has revealed all to, you know, to everybody who he is? What about that, that person in the middle of Africa that's never heard about the name of Jesus? Go, God's revealed himself to them. How do I know that? Well, Scripture tells us. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. Uh, Paul says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And you may be saying, well, that doesn't prove anything. What truth did they suppress, I would ask? Verse 19, because what may be known of God, so who God is, is manifest in them. That's a big one. We're not going to talk about that today. 
But that's a big one. I've talked about that in the streets before. That means that God can be seen in us. Whoa, that's a big one. For, he goes on to say, God has shown it to them. And you say, what has God shown all humanity? Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his, God's, invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Well, who's made? Well, we're made. Me and you and every person on the face of the planet. We are, we're the ones that are made. And Paul says here that we understand being the things that are made, God's invisible attributes, and that we can clearly see them. Even, he goes on to say, his eternal power and Godhead. What does that mean? What is the Godhead? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three in one, one in three. And all creation understands this, according to Paul here. And he even goes on to say, so they are without excuse. The truth of who he and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are, are known to everybody on the planet. I think back to when I was an atheist. And I think back to those days before I knew Jesus Christ. And you know, even though I was an atheist or I I would say I didn't believe in God, if something happened, and I had an uncle like this too, uh, some, something bad happened, or you, you smacked your, your thumb with a hammer you know, or something. You, what, what did I always say? Oh, God! When something went bad in my life, I always say, oh, I don't believe, you know, God, I, I didn't believe in you. You know what I'd go when something bad happened in my life? I'd go, oh, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Don't tell me. Don't tell me that God hasn't revealed himself to you. Whether you don't want to accept it or receive it or anybody, atheist, agnostic, whatever, Satanist, they know God's real. Whether they want to accept it or tell you or not, they know it deep down. I'm telling you that from where I used to be, but I'm not where I am now. I'm not where I, I would have never admitted that back then because I was lost in sin and I wanted it my way. I, I, I chose God's way now. But everybody knows the Godhead. Everybody knows God the Father. Everybody knows God Almighty. They know of Him. Whether they choose to exercise that faith, that knowledge in Him that they have at birth or from the beginning of all is up to them. God gives them that right, just like He gives me and you that right. But everybody knows. So, just as God has revealed Himself in the Godhead to all mankind by His creation and His invisible attributes, I believe that He's revealed to all mankind who Jesus Christ is, His Son and the God-Man. But I just said, as I just said, sadly, just because everybody knows God's testimony of, of himself in Christ doesn't mean that everyone believes or accepts. And this is not pleasing in God's eyes. Look what John says about those who don't receive or believe his testimony of Christ Jesus. Look at the rest of verse 10. He who does not believe God, and I'll just say concerning Christ because that's the context of the scripture. So he who does not believe God, according to Christ, has made him a liar. This is what John just said. Not me. This is what John just said. Because he goes on to say, he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. So to those that don't believe what God has testified of Jesus Christ, you are calling God a liar. Ouch. Jesus said in John 13, 20, speaking of similar information, he says, he who receives me receives him who sent me. Kind of the reverse. If you receive Christ, 
you receive God. And of course, opposite would be true. The person who doesn't receive Christ Jesus doesn't receive the one, God Almighty, who sent him. And Jesus Christ claimed to be the Son of God and the God or and God in the flesh. And this is God's testimony of him as well. They both agree. And if you reject that, John just says here, if you reject that, you are calling God a liar. Ouch. Now there's many levels here. There's many different people groups, but just one to think about for today that you may not think about right now, just one big one. We're going to talk about the Muslims. There's others that don't believe that Jesus Christ is God's son, but the Muslims are the biggest ones. They say that Jesus Christ is not God's son, which is God's testimony of him. They say he's just one of the prophets like Moses, like Elijah, that came to just point people to God, but he was nonetheless just a human being like me or you, but with, you know, a connection to God, kind of like I have a connection to God. They, they know, well, Jesus had a connection to God, but he just came to, hey, this is the way to go to Allah. And this is not God Almighty, this is Allah, which just means God nonetheless, but they just say he's just a mere man that just had a connection to God. But what they're really doing by saying Jesus Christ is not God's son is they're calling God a liar because God's testimony of Jesus Christ is that he is his son. Now, I don't know about you, but I would not want to stand before God when I die having called him a liar unto death. To his face, hey, you're a liar, God, whether you realize it or not, you're calling God a liar when you say Jesus Christ is not God's son. If someone called you a liar persistently, would you allow them to come into your house and live with you to the end of their lives? No, I wouldn't. I don't know about you. Well, God definitely doesn't let those who perpetually or live a lifestyle of calling a liar into heaven forever to live with him forever. That means that all who believe or practice Islam amongst the many... Well, unto death, I will say, without repenting, without saying, you know what, I'm wrong, I'm going to believe this. Well, they're not going to inherit eternal life when they die. They're going to go to hell when they die, unfortunately. On, on, any, on another spectrum, uh, within the same context, uh, what can we say about anyone who doesn't believe and receive all the things that God has said about Jesus and about who Jesus was and is and all the things that Jesus has testified about himself, including him being one with God and, and literally God himself just born in the flesh. Remember John 10, 30, Jesus says, me and the Father are one. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we know biblically that the Word is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says in John 5, 22 through 23, look what he says about what he says and how we should look at what he says as opposed to what God says. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, Him, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Listen to this. He who does not honor the Son, Jesus says, does not honor the Father who sent him. That means that anyone who rejects God's testimony of who Jesus Christ is and who Jesus Christ said he is, God born in the flesh or the Son of God in the Trinity, is just calling God a liar, but they're calling Jesus Christ a liar too. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 30, uh, the consequences of that, he said, he who is not with me is against me. 
and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. And seriously now, but God in Christ will not allow anyone who calls them liars and doesn't honor them together as the same as Jesus Christ said to, and they will, they will not allow them, that person, whoever that person is, to have eternal life as well either, unless they repent. Which means, in case you didn't know, that other people groups, other religious peoples who are, let's say, Jehovah Witnesses, let's say Mormons, or the LDS, they're kind of separate now, who confess that Jesus is God's son, they'll say, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus, yeah, he's God's son, God, you know, but you know, so are we all, right? But they reject him being God in the flesh, and they reject the Trinity or the Godhead. God come in flesh to mankind. And that means for them also, kind of like Muslims, rejecting this at these aspects of Jesus Christ, who he said he was, who God says that he is, they're calling God a liar, and they won't, no liar, no, nobody that's going to call God a liar is going to go to heaven. It's just as simple as that. It's uh, easy to say, but it's hard to swallow. Why is it so important to believe these things about Jesus Christ and how he came and who he and God say is, plus honor him as we honor the Father? Look at the rest of verse 11. And this is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life. And this life, we'll say eternal, because that's what John just said, is in his Son. God granted eternal life to people through Jesus Christ and no one else but through the Jesus Christ that the Bible details out, that the Bible describes. Before the Jesus of the Bible came, you may not know this, before he came, lived a perfect life, died a brutal death on the cross for our sin, and resurrected unto the Father to defeat the last enemy, death. Oh, death, where is your, where is your sting? It's a famous quote from the Bible. The best those who trusted in God could attain to their, you know, in their afterlife, in case you didn't know this, was what they call, what Jesus called Abraham's bosom. What is Abraham's bosom? Abraham's bosom was a place where those who trusted in God, the God, you know, God, Jehovah, before Jesus Christ came, who, who trusted in God, who ran to God for their refuge, who put all their faith and hope in Jehovah God, the God of the Hebrew Israelites, or the God of the Hebrews, the God of the Israelites, who, who they ran to him for their refuge, and God, heaven wasn't open yet, so God said, well, you're not going to go to burning hell. You're going to go to a place that Jesus called Abraham's bosom. It was a section of hell, almost like a, you know, God had this big section of hell, and he, he kind of zip-tied off zip, one little bubble, and where, where just this small little bubble off to the side where he took all the torment and all the burning out of and all the, the pain and the suffering that's in the burning hell, and it was just a place of peace. It wasn't a place where God dwelt, where Jesus Christ and God were, where they lived, where God's throne was, but it was a place where they weren't suffering because, after all, they had put, chosen to put their faith in Jehovah, in Jehovah, the God of the Hebrews. And so, until Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, heaven, the glorious place where God dwells, was not opened up. Uh, heaven, the place where all those who run to God for their refuge wasn't there yet for them to dwell in. Hebrews 9.8 speaks of the heaven not being opened up to people after they died before Christ came. And Hebrews 10.19-20 says this, Therefore, brethren, speaking in the new covenant now, having boldness to enter the holiest, this would be basically the throne room of God, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh. 
only until after Jesus Christ came was heaven open for people that died that trusted in God. Maybe you never knew that before today. Anyway, only the Jesus Christ of the Bible gets people to heaven. And of course, Jesus Christ, the one defined by the Bible, is the one who did that for mankind. And that's why he said in John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. Notice he said, I am the way. Not a way. Not one of many ways. But I am the way. Right? So God gave or granted eternal life through Jesus Christ and only the Jesus Christ described in the Bible for he was the only one who was worthy to pay for or make atonement for our sins by his atoning sacrifice on the cross to make those who come to him perfect before God. Bible says that any that are underneath the umbrella of Christ are so perfect before God, it's as if we never sinned. And only the Jesus Christ of the Bible can make you sinless like that. And because of what Jesus Christ did for humanity, John says emphatically in verse 12, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So, if you have the Son, meaning you are abiding in God the Son, Jesus Christ, you know, the Trinity, the second person in the Trinity, you have life eternal. And if you don't have the Son, meaning you're not abiding in God, the Son, Jesus Christ, second person of Trinity, you don't have life and eternal, that is. No simpler way or easier way to say it than that. Uh, last verse of today, read verse 13, just the first part for right now. He says this, I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Stop there, put your finger there if you're reading along. He just said, John, to all who believe, or remember again, to all who put their faith, their trust, their hope in Jesus Christ as God's Son, who agree with God about who Jesus Christ is, and I'll add who Jesus Christ said he was himself, God in the flesh, the Savior of the world, and and who don't call God a liar. He says, hey, you guys are on the right spiritual track. You're on the right spiritual direction with God. And because you are you will receive eternal life. Wow, that's awesome. How cool is that? Those who are unified with God in his testimony of Christ and all who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as, as, as he said he was and as God said he was shall have eternal life. And that's not all there. There's one more little bit there. We can't just believe for a moment. Last part of verse 13. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Jen emphasizes here that he tells them here, he says, so that you may continue to believe in Jesus Christ. Why would it be important to continue to believe in God's testimony, who Jesus is and who Jesus says he was? Matthew 24, 13. But it's only he who endures to the end that shall be saved. You see, it's not those who believe or put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as who God and he say that he is for a number of days or for a number of years or for a number of decades that are rewarded with eternal life. So it's not just those who come to him and put their trust in him and decide to follow him for a, you know, a little bit of their lives that are rewarded with eternal life. It's those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the one described in the Bible, God's son, the God-man, until they die or Christ comes back, that shall be rewarded with eternal life.
Christians, we must endure abiding in Christ until we die. Or Jesus comes back in order to be rewarded with the crown of life that James speaks about in his epistle. Remember 2 Timothy 2.5, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned, crown of life, unless he competes according to the rules. And the rules of any race say that any person that's running the race or any person that's playing the game must finish the sport, must finish the event in order to win. They must run the hardest and run the best in order to win, and then they must finish. Nobody's getting crowned for a race if they don't finish the race. So Christians, we must finish the race of faith in order to be crowned with eternal life. Just as John says, we must continue to believe that the testimony that God has given of Jesus Christ. So do you believe God's testimony who Jesus Christ is today? And do you believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is? Or or do you call God and Jesus Christ a liar? It's really simple. You either believe God's testimony and you're calling God, you're agreeing with God, or you're disagreeing with God's testimony and you're calling them liars. Do you believe God and that Jesus Christ is his literal begotten son? Not like us, but God's literal seed son. So God in the flesh. Come by birth in the flesh as a human being, being God Almighty also. And do you believe Jesus Christ because he said he's truly God the Son and literally one with God, or do you make them liars? You're either agreeing with God today or you're not. I really hope you do because the Bible's so clear and God is so loud and clear on the fact that Jesus Christ is God's literal Son, born in the flesh with a literal human body, but still God Almighty in the flesh also. If you don't believe these testimonies from God and Christ from the Bible, because your religion has taught you that Jesus is just a created God, or He's just only God's Son, you know, just kind of like God just, hey, you know, He's my Son, I adopted Him or something, but not God Almighty literally in the flesh, then you need to look over the scripture that we read today. Verse 10 again, I'm going to read it one more time. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself, he who does not believe God, not, not that they don't believe in God, but that they don't believe God's testimony of Christ, has made him a liar. Because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. John makes it very clear there. So no matter what your religion has taught you concerning the Jesus Christ of the Bible, if it's not that he's God's only literal seed son, not like us, and that he's literally God Almighty in the flesh, God the second person in the Trinity, they are wrong, and they are calling God and Jesus Jesus liars. And I promise you that anyone who calls God and Christ liars will not go to heaven unless they repent. What does that mean? Unless you stop, you say, I'm not going to believe that anymore. I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to learn about the Jesus Christ of the Bible, and I'm going to follow him only. And I'm going to believe what the Bible only says about Jesus Christ. You will not go to heaven unless you repent and do that. God will not be mocked, ladies and gentlemen. And his testimony of Jesus is that he is his only begotten son. And, his, and, and, and God come, God Almighty literally come in the flesh to earth. Why would it be so important that we believe God of who Jesus Christ is and put our faith and trust in the Jesus of the Bible and believe on him as scripture says. Well, look at, I want you to think about it like this. 
If you don't believe in or have faith, trust, and surrender in Christ in the Bible today, the one that this, I described to you today from God's Word, the Holy Bible, and you believe in a Jesus that's not God's literal seed son, not God Almighty literally come in the flesh, and really you're not following and believing the same Jesus that I'm talking about. You believe and follow a different Jesus. Let me explain with this. Those who know me, know me as a really big, size-wise, you could say, early 40s white guy. About 6'6", a, a real big Italian man, right? Weighing about 280 pounds. I just described me to you in case you've never seen me or know what I look like. And that uh, also, on top of that, I really passionately follow Jesus Christ. The Jesus Christ written in the Bible, described in the Holy Bible, right? Well, think of this. If someone were to say that they knew me, let's say you know me, but and, and, and somebody comes to you and they say, well, I know that, that Ed Spagnoli. I know that guy. Yeah, he's pastor of Gospel Saving Church. But they described me to you who really knew me as an African man with very, 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 very dark and black African skin of about five foot tall, weighing about 100 pounds, maybe 85 years old, and an Ed Spagnoli that worshipped the God of Islam, meaning Allah. In fact, they, not only did they say that, but they, they claim that I belong to the group ISIS or ISIL, whatever they call themselves today. Would they still be describing the real me that you know, the only, because there's no, there's no other gospel-saving church in the world, and I'm the only Ed Spagnoli, it's pastor of the house church, gospel-saving church in McKinney, Texas, right? Would they still be describing the only me that exists standing in this church at this pulpit right now? Well, the answer is absolutely not. What's the same with Christ Jesus? Just because you may say that you're a Christian and you know and believe that he's God's son, that, that Jesus, but you reject the fact that he's God's literal seed son, meaning, you know, God literally put his seed in Mary, like the Bible talks about. And Jesus came out, and he, but he's a God man. He's, he's God Almighty come in the flesh, God the Son, the second person in the Trinity. Then you're believing in a different Jesus. And you're not believing in the Jesus Christ of the Bible. And the problem with believing in a different Jesus, the Bible says that only the Jesus Christ of the Bible can save your soul. And he's the only one that paid the cost for your sins by the perfect sinless life that he led. By literally being God come in the flesh. The perfect God-man human being. The only one that even, would even be possible to live a sinless life. For the Bible says he is the sinless Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And if you're not worshiping him and you're not following him, the one described here, then you're following a different Jesus. One whose blood is not precious enough to cleanse you from all of your sins. So please, ladies and gentlemen, ask yourselves today, do you believe in the true Jesus Christ of the Bible or don't you? And if you don't, you really have to say, I would really want you to, I would really want this to sink in. You're calling God a liar. Because that's God's testimony of Jesus Christ. You're calling God a liar. And if you call God a liar, you will not inherit eternal life. If this is you, you won't go to heaven when you die. Because the Jesus Christ is the Bible, or because the Jesus Christ of the Bible isn't your Lord and Savior. 
What I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to take a step of faith today. If you do not believe, and I want you to repent, I want you to fall on your knees and I want you to say, I'm, tell, tell God you're sorry. Tell God and Jesus Christ you're sorry that you've been calling them a liar. If this is you. And, and what repentance means is that you change your mind. You stop believing it about Jesus Christ, just a God or a son or whoever you believe him to be, a prophet or whatever, and you turn to him as Lord, as God Almighty, as God come in the flesh, as God's literal seed son. And you do it right now. And once you believe that way, I pray the Bible says that once you believe that you take a step of faith and put all your faith and your trust in him and you surrender your life to him and you give him your life, that means you, 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 you take him as your Lord. You put all your faith, you start following him as your Lord. You start going to the word, the Bible, and you start, how Jesus, how did you say I should follow you? And then you start following him that way. And then the Bible says, once you repent and you turn to him and you surrender him, you shall be born again. You shall be saved once you turn to him. So I'm asking you to do that by faith today. If you have another opinion of Jesus Christ, please don't call God a liar anymore. And repent. And please do it right now. I want you to be saved. God wants you to be saved. God wants you to put your faith and trust in, in Him and, and His God-man, the, the Son of God that He sent to the world to, to die for the sins of mankind. And that's how much He loves you and that's what He did for you. Please do it right now. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your love and thank you so much for your wisdom and thank you so much for your word. Lord, your word can be kind of complicated sometimes, Lord, but nevertheless, Lord, if we really earnestly seek you in the word, in your word, Lord God, you'll see us seeking and you'll help us understand it. I pray, Lord God, for anybody out there right now that that doesn't believe in the things you said about Jesus Christ in your word, the things that we talked about today, Lord. I pray that they would repent, Lord. I pray that they would turn to you, Lord. I pray that they would... Uh, Come to you. Come to Jesus Christ, Lord God, and surrender. And repent and stop believing uh, about him as as less than he is, Lord God. Because that is calling you a liar and it's really disrespectful. It's, It's slapping you in the face. Please, God. I know you love them anyway. That's the amazing thing about that's the amazing thing about you. You love them anyway. (laughs) Just pray, Lord God, that you would help them to see the truth. Help them to turn to you right now. Bring them to repentance, Lord. And bring these people to salvation. Bring these people into a true relationship with you. We love you and we praise you, God. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.